What's up, everybody? Welcome to Draft Chaff. This is episode number 136. My name is Zach. I'm one of your hosts. And joining me, as per usual, Ben Fisher. What's up, dude? Not too much. I'm hot off a uh, mid-finish at an RCQ. So, you know, if that's not if that's not exactly the way I like to play Magic, then I don't know what is. That That's it's so emblematic of me. Yeah, how very Draft Chaff of you. Yeah, you know, if, if I did a little too good, then are we even... You know, are we even like draft shaft anymore? We, we can't get too spiky, right? Yeah, I think that is that is kind of. I, eventually, we'll see ourselves doing better in like real tournaments. You know, we've got a PTQ coming up. We're gonna do really well, and then we're gonna have to force ourselves to to like either drop or just lose games. Oh, yeah. because it's I'm, like we I'm can't win. Throw. Yeah, we can't win big events. Uh, it kind of ruins our whole brand. Yeah. So no one here has ever won a big event. Oh God! I thought we were done. <laughs> I thought we were past this. I know. I know. I don't know what you're talking about. No one here has ever. You know. Oh, actually, there was that. There was that one. Th- <laughs> you saying that segues really nicely into our topic this week. <laughs> Are we opponents now? Is that is that what's happening? My my co-host maybe. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Do do your intro nonsense. All right. Yeah. Our typical housekeeping here if you're not already in the discord check it out it's the best place to be to chat with us chat with the rest of the aficionados and just share your trophies we love to see folks bragging in there about their good deck lists and uh, success they've had i really appreciated kind of going through uh the decathlon posts that people were putting in it was really cool to see everybody kind of coming together and help each other out with the decathlon events we got a bunch of channels in there as well for all sorts of different things so check out the discord the link to that is in the episode description as well as on our twitter page and if you'd like to support support the show directly, you can do so on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash draftchaffpod. Huge, huge thanks to all of our patrons who continue to support us each and every week. We love you guys. You guys rock. Perks over there include things like our Draft Doctor series, stickers, show notes, our pre-show recordings, and our Draft Chaff Hero cards that we'll sign and send right to you. So again, you can check that out at patreon.com forward slash draftchaffpod. All right, on to our crack draft type thing. Unfortunately, we've, well, fortunately or unfortunately, I guess it depends on what side of the fence you're on. We sunset uh, Brothers War already. So what do we have? We've got a Kaldheim pack here. Kaldheim is up on Arena right now. It's honestly a really fun set. I kind of missed it now that I'm playing it a bit more. Uh, let's take a look at a pack one, pick one from Kaldheim. Just kind of refresh our memory uh, for those that want to hop on and before the Phyrexians take over in a few weeks. So we've got Woodland Chasm. That's the Black Green Snowland. Pretty good. You know, you want a bunch of these. They have the dual types. This was a good one to uh, to go fetch with the black-green uh, removal saga. But the one after it, uh, Shimmerdrift Veil. Ooh, I'd probably take this over it, to be honest. This is the one that enters and you get to pick any color for it. Really, really good in the snow decks. These were pretty high picks, if I recall correctly, in like the original cycle of Kaldheim going around. Like You picked up these Snowlands pretty early. Oh, yeah. Like picks one through five are, are pretty reasonable, especially if there's not like a bomb rare in the pack. Uh, now the next card is not that dread rider. This is the six mana three, seven. You don't, you don't want to, you don't want to, you don't want to play that. Anyway, next card is frostbite. <laughs> this is one that you do want uh, one red deal two to a creature or planeswalker. Uh, and then if you have three or more snow permanents, not lands permanents, it deals three instead. Uh, great card. There's also Warhorn Blast. That's the Fortell uh, kind of inspiring charge. Plus two, plus one, all your creatures. If you were playing like the White Flyers deck, if you maybe had like a couple copies of the 2-2 that makes a bunch of 1-1 Flyers, then you could play maybe one of these. But overall, you don't you don't really want it. There's King Harold's Revenge. That's the one that buffs a thing, makes it have to be blocked in this term. I think Sirkovitz liked this card more than, than we did. I don't know. It, it seemed to be going like some Black Green Elves decks decently well. Uh, Master Skull, that's the 5-mana 4-4. It gets back an enchantment 
or artifact, I think it's, it's like something like that. I don't know. All I know is sometimes your opponent will use it to get back busted sagas. And at that point, you should probably just scoop. There's demonic gifts. Eh, it's whatever. Uh, there's a Craven Hulk. That's the uh, the coward giant. That's pretty funny. Can't block alone, but it's a format of four four. That's pretty good in the giant decks. It's kind of like just stock stuff. What you want? Uh, Wings of the Cosmos. Solid little combat trick. One white to give plus one plus three. Untap it and give flying. I mean that can just jump a creature for for the the win, or it can be a pretty big combat blowout. And then there's Bind the Monster, which is very funny to use a Wings of the Cosmos on something that has been bound by mo- Monster. Bind the never mind. Bind the Monster taps the thing down, and then that uh that creature deals damage to you equal to its power. So you can use this to tap down a six six, but then it'll deal six to you. That's our commons. Uh, honestly, Frostbite, Shimmerjer Veil, looking good. Nothing else really. <laughs> Yeah, those are my top two. Buying the monster was a card that I remember liking at the beginning of the format, but then kind of fell off of later on in the format. It just seemed to be too deadly a lot of the time. Yeah, sometimes if you're playing one of the big snow piles and you just you're desperate for removal, you can play one. But eh. uh, our own commons, though, we, we got some heat. We've got Marita the Frost. That's the blue green uncommon. Uh, it's the one that enters the battlefield as a copy of something, except it's it's snow and it comes with extra counters on it. Uh, and it's a legend. That's a fun clone effect, you know. Uh, There's some big ETBs to copy, too. Uh, I like Marie, but maybe not as a first pick. Pretty much every snow deck picks up one Marie to the Frost at some point. There's also a Frostpire Arcanist, five mana. Uh, it's like a two five or something. Cost one less if you control a giant or a wizard. But the, the thing with this one is when it ETBs, you can search your library for a copy of an instant or sorcery that's already in your graveyard. So if you pick up multiple copies of frostbite or uh behold the multiverse or whatever it's called or the glimpse one the giant dig through time uh if you had multiple copies of those you really want one of these because then your best cards get even better and then there's a narfi betrayer king that's the blue black uncommon i never really liked this little zombie sub vector uh sometimes people would play in like these uh like grixis snow piles i i was never a super big fan but i don't know you can bring it back over and over again if you have snow mana so it's, it's a resilient threat. Overall, uh, I like the Arcanist, but I don't know if you're supposed to take it over an actual good instant or sorcery like Frostbite. Probably still on the Frostbite here. I think it leaves it the most open, but Marita the Frost is also just a good, like, strong value card. You take Frostbite over Shimmer Fail in the first pack like this? Ooh, it's close. Uh, yeah, I probably do. But okay. my, I might I regret lean, it later. I was leaning toward, yeah, I was leaning towards the Shimmer Fail personally, but... Yeah, it's probably correct. Don't really Shimmer Drift Veil goes in literally every deck. Every right. single deck in the format is happy to have it. Except maybe some of the bad aggro decks. But then... Well, I mean, except the best <laughs> deck in the format, which is black-white, obviously. Funny. I don't I don't know what you're talking about. Anyway, let's talk about our rare. It's going to supersede all this. It's Vorinclex. What are the uh, Phyrexians doing on Kaldheim? That's kind of weird. Why would they <laughs> Why would they want to come here? Yeah, I think they're starting... Uh, they're, they're changing their ways. They're moving into agriculture. They needed to pick up some seeds or something. No, it's probably no big deal. I'm sure they're not going to do anything suspicious with it at all. Not like uh, the pick is obviously Vorinclex. Like this card's nuts. <laughs> it, it shuts yeah. down your opponent's sagas, right? Like you can't kill it with a saga. It, that's how good this thing is. It's uh, it's it's great. And if you even happen to have any random one one counter synergy, then clearly it's even more busted. But just a six mana six six trample haste that'll just win you games straight up. Yeah, and it says mountains of upside on top of that. So. Yeah, clear pick here, Vorinclex. All right, on to our Teferi Tibble. This is our Roses and Thorns style segment where Ben and I share a high and a low from the past week. So, Ben, how's your week going? Kind of alluded to this already. Yeah, it's been all right. Uh, did decently well 
at a bunch of magic stuff over the weekend. Decently well, the RCQ came in a 10th out of 55. Uh, so that was pretty fun. Uh, fun event. I went 4-2. Played decently well. Uh, unfortunately, played decently well against some Yawgmoths. And uh, sometimes that, that's that's just how it goes, you know. Uh, then I also played in the uh, the Open. Did decently well there. I had some 5-3, some 6-3. Uh, but never got that elusive 7-3 on day one, so... Uh, I'll, I'll be back next time. Uh, and then I guess now I'm transitioning. This is kind of like a mix of Teferi's and Tybalt's all in one. Uh, but one Tybalt that I noticed from this week, the decathlon finals, they, they were kind of bad. <laughs> Did you hear about the format? Um, yeah, it was just like standard, wasn't it? Basically it was, uh, it was arena cube sealed. And the bizarre part was every single person opened the same packs so the contents oh, were the right. same for everyone. So they were like strange cards, I guess. You know, it wasn't like you had the full arena catalog of constructed playables, but you did have just a lot of constructed playables. And there were really only like two or three decks you could play. Uh, and only one that really seemed good from my experience, uh, which was green, white counters. And that deck was really good. Uh, after I tried playing blue, white or no, I played. I tried playing Jeskai Heroic my first run through when I didn't know that everyone got the same pool. As I was thinking, oh, I got some like cool heroic cards in here. Uh, I got demolished by green white counters, uh, which kicked me out of the tournament. Thankfully, I had all ten tokens, so I had another run. Then I went back and saw that I opened the same exact cards as the previous time, and that's when I was like, okay, something's going on here. I looked it up, saw the, the format, and uh, I don't know. It's just yeah, that's really bizarre. Like, why would they not just do Arena Cube sealed? Like that would have been such a, a such a better environment. Yeah, um, it didn't feel like limited. You know, it felt like we had gone through this huge grind of limited stuff, like this literal decathlon uh, to play functionally constructed. Like I saw on Twitter, people are posting like optimized green white counters lists. Yeah, like, within because eventually that you literally can solve the format. It's a very finite set of cards, and it was a very easy to solve format. Green white counters was by far the best thing. It really came down to like the flex spots. Some people were playing Shatterfang. Some people were playing like Valorous Stance. <laughs> you know, uh, it was it was uh, it did not fl- feel like playing limited. You know, and, and compared to the last one where it was like an arena cube draft and then it was like i remember we we streamed it It was such a sick experience and how close it was and i was playing like a golos deck i still remember it It was an awesome deck i had uh ulamog in that deck and everything um i will i will forget about this instantly you know this was a a really uh disappointing end to the decathlon i hope it's not repeated in the future anywho what's up so yeah uh my fairy this week is that i've been back to practicing guitar this is something i've been trying to get back to for a little while i i like started playing guitar when i was 10 and then played for maybe a year and a half. And then I kind of have played on and off again every half decade or so since then. Um, So I'm back at it, trying it up, uh, trying to get back to it. And it's been fun. I've been enjoying it. My tibble is that my fingers hurt. (laughs) Oh, I I know (laughs) the experience. Yeah. Anybody who's tried to start playing guitar knows the pain. Anybody who hasn't just imagine running your fingers over steel cables for hours on end. Yeah. Yeah. it, It sounds about as, as pleasant as it actually is. So yeah, I'm I'm pretty out of practice on guitar. I, I you've been playing for much longer than I have, uh, and I, I I tried like learning in college, and I too experienced the like the, the slow callus building. Uh, they're all gone at this point. <laughs> I got to get back into it too. Yeah, once you have those calluses, it's it's not so bad, but it takes a little bit of pain and uh, such to to get them built up. All right, on to our listener question of the week, and our listener question is actually a question for the listener this week. What's up with battles? 
What are they going to be? <laughs> what, I want, we want to hear it in the discord. Like, what do you think a battle is going to be? It's a, it's a type of card. We know that much, mm-hmm. but that's all we know. Really? We know it can go to the graveyard uh, and that's significant. It's not going to be some sort of like command zone uh, conspiracy effect. Uh, presumably it has a casting cost and th- maybe you could have like an, an artifact battle or an enchantment battle. Like you have other subtypes, um, but that's, that's all we know. And we only know this because of the new Atraxa. Uh, another thing we know is that this makes Tarmogoyf better by, by a little bit. <laughs> another, another type to feed the Tarmogoyf. But we don't know what it is. Like, is it going to be a, maybe like a world enchantment, something that affects both players? Maybe a subtype uh, of like an exit? I don't know. I, I have no idea. It'll have a casting cost. It can hit the graveyard. It's a permanent, presumably. Yeah, I was like, Actually, we don't even know for sure that they're permanents. So. Maybe it's not. Uh-oh. <laughs> okay, uh, I guess... I mean, if this is a, a new card type, this is way more significant than like, for example, a saga. A saga is a subtype of enchantment, right? Like this is a right. new card type. This is as significant as the introduction of Planeswalkers. We haven't had something like this in a very, very long time. Uh, yeah, I think maybe, Planeswalkers were the last one. Yeah. Or maybe it'll be something small like Tribal, for example, um, which was an additional like type that yeah. just kind of got like mostly routed into other stuff like creatures, um, and, or, well, it was used on non-creature stuff. So anyway, um, I have no idea where they're going with this. But I have a feeling there's going to be some big battles in the future. Maybe like maybe as the Phyrexians, spoiler alert, invade every plane in the multiverse, which that's <laughs> what they're going to do. Uh, maybe as they invade, we'll get like battle for Kamigawa, battle for Bant, uh, battle for insert X plane or like subplane here. Um, I, I don't know. I think that's a that's a, a fairly educated guess. That seems reasonable. Yeah, I'm a fairly educated and reasonable person, so that that checks out. <laughs> Let's just get on with our main topic. <laughs> yeah, so our main topic this week, you all saw it in the title, uh, but sometimes my opponent is an a- So one of the greatest aspects of Magic the Gathering is the players, right? Like, the players are awesome. It's why we do this. It's why you go back to FNM every week to see your friends. But sometimes, every once in a while, you run into someone who you just wish picked a different hobby. Uh, today we're going to introduce you to several types of magic player that fit that archetype that they really make up the bottom, like five to 10% of the community. And we're going to introduce you not only to who they are archetypally, I guess you can almost say we're going to introduce you to some vectors of them. Uh, but we can even talk about how you should interact with them, uh, and how you can counteract, uh, this, this type of behavior, uh, and make sure you don't find it in yourself. All right. We've broken these down by where you can encounter these folks. Or types of folks. And we're doing this sort of for, for all my fellow software folks out there, we're, we're doing this with a sort of personality or we can think of it as almost like a user archetype. Hmm. Yeah. So we're starting off here with arena. So who are the types of opponents that we find on arena? Oh, just the, the, the worst of the worst on arena. We got to start with good game, Greg. <laughs> so good game, Greg is an opponent that says good game, either from the start of the match or just a little too early. We all know this experience, and you're going to find that that is kind of the running theme. Many of you will play against many of these types of people. So Good Game Greg is trying to tilt you, right? Good Game Greg wants to uh, make you upset or like make you lose focus uh, by spamming this emote. Or maybe even sometimes just saying it too early. I think that's often common. Sometimes Good Game it's supposed to be genuine, right? Like I think when they programmed it in, it was supposed to be like a thing you say afterwards with a good game. But I think in like the, the culture of, of arena, it's taken on the, 
kind of like a new meaning where it's like good game. You know, there, there's some some subtext to that. You say good game when you've just obliterated your opponent or you say it sarcastically. Like it doesn't feel like it's possible to say good game in good faith on Arena. You, you know what I mean? Yeah, we've kind of got this like it, it's turned into that. Like like you said, I think it, it started you know, when the, when the programmers or the designers put that in there, they were thinking like, this is a way for players to be polite with each other. And it immediately yeah. turned into something that players use to be jerks. Yeah. And I, <laughs> I think there is a way to use that emote in good faith. Typically the way I see this happen is when it's very clear that the game is over mm-hmm. and I'm losing, I will throw out a good game emote. Yeah. Yeah. Just as you know, cause like, okay, it's a good game. If I'm winning, and it's very clear that the game is over. I will not use that emote because it feels <laughs> like you're really just putting salt in the wound. Now, good game Greg is the type of person that would do that. And and I will say, like, not all instances of, like like you said, we're not trying to say all instances of a good game are, are like a good game Greg type. I think one of the coolest experiences you can have is after, like, a very long game, like a, a good grindy back and forth, especially limited. Every once in a while, you'll both say good game at the same time. And when that happens, you realize, ah, this was this was a good game. There was this 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 brief spark, this brief connection. Uh, and you can imagine the other person also kind of sitting back in their chair and being like, yeah, that was a good game. So how do you deal with a good game, Greg? Well, you can always just mute them, <laughs> right? Like that, that you can turn off their emotes. Yeah, that's pretty effective. I've also found that if you just don't respond, sometimes they they stop. It's kind of like instigators when you're in middle school, like mm-hmm somebody's trying to pick on you and you just ignore them. Eventually they just leave you alone. It yeah, doesn't always like work the, with good game, Greg, but yeah, you could just mute them and that just makes your life better. <laughs> now, maybe one of the worst things you could do is feed the troll and like try to spam back. But, uh, I, I might, I might engage in that on occasion. <laughs> little, little fire with fire, you know, uh, wait a minute. It, master's tools to take down the master's house. I think that's one that doesn't work. Hold on. Never mind. Um, but uh, maybe a little a friendly, uh, like, I don't know, hedron emoji could, could be fun. Um, I will say uh, one way to counter a good game, Greg, is to beat them. <laughs> yeah, was just, that was that was my addition. Yeah, I was just going to say that, like, just just end the game. You know, if you're tired of seeing them spam the good game emote, just end the game. Beat, yeah, beat them. Uh, I'd, I'd be lying if I said I haven't occasionally come back from like, uh, a near defeat against a good game, like a, an early good game, and then said good game myself. Cause you know, like sometimes you just got to put the cherry on top, <laughs> but now, uh, overall you don't want to be this person, right? If you think the game has ended and like you're losing or something like that, then yeah, toss out the good game, but an easy way to not become good game, Greg, is to just not like Zach was saying, if you're really far ahead, just, just don't, you know, we're supposed to be bringing joy to the world <laughs> by playing a game with each other. Just don't don't try to rub it in each other's faces. All right. So next up on Arena, we find Timeout Tina. And Timeout Tina, we've all come to know and dislike. And Timeout Tina is responsible for roping at every opportunity, whether intentional or not. I think these this is an archetype of of player that can do this unintentionally, but it, it can get out of hand. And I think, you know, the rope is part of the game. It's, it's a, a facility that is meant to be used. It's essentially a chess clock, even though it's not really. Yeah. And, and so like, yeah, this is not us saying don't ever let the rope run out because it's a, it, it is something that you should use, but don't do it every turn. <laughs> you, yeah. The game states are not complex enough that you need to rope every single turn almost ever. Uh, one thing that I find especially annoying or is when someone has an activated ability that costs zero and then they like 
it's very clear that they forgot about that and they just click like pass to go to their end step and then they just go up and like go who knows where <laughs> and then just sitting on their end step for like a whole minute with their activated ability like they have priority uh and then you're just sitting there waiting for priority back and you're like all right well guess it's gonna be one of those games uh something like turn one like a creature that can sacrifice itself for like no value like those tend to be a little annoying to play uh i mean again sometimes this is unintentional sometimes you're actually thinking and like you're deep in the tank some of the, the most fun magic gets is when you're deep in the tank and like the rope comes up and the the stress is on right and hey, maybe sometimes your opponent's rope comes up and it runs out and you win the game. <laughs> so th- th- this, uh, th- this, this type of opponent has the occasional upside of if, they're, if, they, play, if they fly too close to the rope sun, uh, then you get a win. Yeah, now I think often and, and probably the majority of the time from a percentage perspective, this isn't the case. But we often can, can think that like this person is doing this to be a jerk. Sometimes actual emergencies pop up. Somebody has to step away from their computer or their phone and the rope is, is just a byproduct of them having to go deal with whatever they have to deal with in real life. Mm-hmm. It happens. Don't get immediately upset when you see the rope. Maybe just take a breath yourself, switch to a different application, do some homework, do some, uh, I don't know, check your phone, whatever, just something to like get. That's kind of my, my approach to it anyway, is just don't let them waste my time. Mm-hmm. So like, exactly. If, if that's it's how clear they that win. they're in, Exactly. If they're, if it's clear that they're intentionally roping me, I'll just go do something else. I'm never one to just like quit the game or like concede on the spot. Cause I, I have seen a lot of folks do that. I'll just let the mm-hmm. rope run out. Like you said, I'll get a match win if they're going to let it run and I'm yeah, do something else. I think maybe we should be clear. Like th- this would happen if maybe you're playing a game and then maybe you have like a sweet top deck that clearly wins or like so perfectly demolishes your opponent's strategy that then they get really upset about it and then they just start trying to waste your time. Uh, I think an easy way to not be this person is if your opponent has a thing that's going to let you win or let them like win the game, maybe not immediately, but maybe in like 10 turns, but you know, there's no coming back. Just scoop. You know, like there's the old saying that uh, people don't scoop to to Teferi, Hero of Dominaria, nearly as quickly as they should. People tend to play out games against five fairy for like four or five turns longer than they actually have any chance at all. Uh, Yeah. And this goes actually back to something that I don't think we've done a back to basics on, but maybe we should. And that's playing to your outs. If you see something come down on your opponent's side of the, of the board that is game changing, you really should be thinking, what are my outs? Do I have any outs? And if not scoop it up, like your time is super valuable. Yeah, uh, trying to like annoy your opponent or waste their time, that's not an out. <laughs> that's just being a jerk. Now, possibly the worst person to play against on Arena, the worst opponent you can have is your Go Yolanda. Now, <laughs> your, your Go Yolanda, you, you encounter one every once in a while. From the moment the match begins, they start spamming your Go. That's just for, for every opportunity. This one is a cousin of, uh, of Good Game Greg. But Yorgo Yolanda is somehow even more infuriating to play against. I, I don't know. There's just something about the Yorgo that's like, it's so curt. It's so rude almost. Like, good game. Yeah, that, that started with like positive connotations. I don't know what they were thinking when they put Yorgo in as like a preset emote. Well, I think they also put that in before the rope was a thing. So there was no anything that like forced you to pass priority. So that was probably what they were thinking. Like, Hey, at least this is a little bit of a nudge for your, your opponent to, to, to 
take their turn. The problem with this one, especially like you mentioned, when it's, it, it starts early, nobody really tends to spam good game early in the game. Like that only mm-hmm. happens after something tilts them off or they've gotten annoyed about a game state or, or whatever, or they're winning really well and they want to be a jerk about winning. Your go, Yolanda, will start spamming this on turn one. And it's like, I, I get it. It's my go. Yes, I understand. Yeah. Like, I can't um, actually play any faster than this. There is, there are only two options with the Yorgo Yolanda. You, you really, the, the best one is to just mute them from the start. If you see this, mute them because you'll be thinking about it. You'll be thinking like, oh man, that opponent was annoying for the next like half hour just because of how incessant they are and how, how determined they are to tilt you off even just a little bit. I mean, they're, they're being cruel, but they are playing to an out of like trying to get you distracted. I mean, they're going for like the small percentage points of, of win EV that, an ethical person won't take, right? Uh, I'm not going to say it's cheating. Like it's built into the code. Um, but is it ethical? I don't, I don't really, I don't really think so to try to like, I don't know, angle shoot your way to the top like that. But, uh, the, the real true counter to a Yorgo Yolanda demolish them, just, just beat them. So (laughs) like over the top, like so supremely that, uh, that they somehow come away thinking, man, it didn't work. <laughs> I guess maybe I should actually try playing properly and being a good person. All right. So that wraps up our, our player archetypes, our opponent archetypes in arena onto FNM. And we're starting off FNM with perpetually in the pack, Paul. Oh yeah. This is, this is like, I, I, I remember, I probably heard someone say this like my very first draft. And I, I don't think I've not heard it since. Uh, just about once per draft, if you've drafted in store, you will hear someone in your pod say something along the lines of, why is this still in the pack? They're like, I can't believe this is still uh, going around. Or, wow, I really wheeled this? You're all dumb. <laughs> like, they don't say that last part, but that is the not-so-subtle subtext. Uh, someone that says, I can't believe this is still in the pack is, I don't know, they're doing a few things. They're both trying to flex their own supposed format knowledge, which if they don't say what the card is, could be incorrect and might just be incorrect from the start. Uh, They're trying to flex to say that like, oh, I know better than than the table, right? Like I believe this card should have gone earlier. And in doing so, you kind of insult everyone else. You say, oh, um, well, you didn't take this. You're dumb, right? Like, if you didn't pick this card, you're an idiot. I mean, this obviously ignores a whole bunch of draft basics, right? Uh, maybe people open some must-play bombs so they didn't pivot into a color, or um, I don't know. If this is like pack th- pick three of pack one, and someone says like, "Oh, I can't believe this is still here," maybe the, the people just had better cards in the pack, right? Like, I mean, people know how to draft. Uh, there's a, usually a good chance they took stuff that was right. And yeah, maybe sometimes a, a bomb does slip through the cracks. Maybe someone didn't study the format or just came to have fun. <laughs> just to like, don't, don't be a jerk about it, you know? Yeah. And I think a lot of times this tends to happen as well when like only one or maybe like one and a half players are drafting a given vector. And so like nobody else wants the card that is very good for that person's deck. And they see it and they're like, how is this still in the pack? Because I'm wheeling these awesome cards that are that are good for my deck. Nobody else wants those cards because they're not drafting those colors or that vector or whatever, you know. So there's also a little bit of that in there where you're you're I feel like a lot of the times when we hear that the person who's saying it has a a little bit of a warped mentality around the deck that they're building. Yeah. And like you can do this in a positive light. You can there's a way to be excited about wheeling a card that doesn't put other people down. Right. You can be like, wow, yeah. I can't believe I wheeled this 
like perfectly on vector card. This is exciting. Like my deck is better. I'm going to have a good time. We do this in the draft draft discord, right? Like we, we post things that we can't believe made it back to us. Um, and, and it's like a good thing, right? Cause it means we're going to get to draft a good deck and that's kind of what we like to do. Right. But if you're doing it with the express purpose of insulting everyone else at your table and insinuating that they don't know how to draft or that you know the format better than them or that you have some secret that they don't know it's the worst when you don't even tell them like what the card is right then it's like well who cares you you, you may as well just like raise your hand and go actually i'm better than all of you it's like come on perpetually in the pack paul get out of here <laughs> yeah i think also one thing to, to mention here too is that like there are folks out there who genu- genuinely who say this with the intent of trying to help, like they aren't doing mm, it maliciously. Yeah. They don't realize that it is something that actually insults people at the table. So I would offer if you're, if you find yourself in that spot, a better way to approach this would be wait till the draft is over, then find the person who passed you and say, Hey, what else was in this pack? Because I was really surprised to see this card. And from there you can have a conversation about why they didn't take the card. And maybe mm. you can help out a newer player in that way by saying, Oh, here's why I would have taken this over that maybe think about that in your next draft or something, but you're not just like ousting people in front of the entire group and you're not making it come off as if you are the smartest person at the table. Yeah. Now, if you have someone like this at your pod, honestly, best thing to do, just stay silent. Speak up, obviously, if they're like literally insulting other people, you don't want to have someone come away with like a bad experience, call people out if they're being like overtly rude to people. But if it's just someone kind of being snooty and and know it all about like the format, maybe just ignore them. The attention might be what they want. Uh, And obviously, like Zach mentioned, there's better ways to go about doing this. Uh, If if, like you wanted to talk to someone about a pick, just be polite about it. Now, our next one, Rip and Flip Rick. I don't know if everyone out there knows who Rip and Flip Rick is, but it's someone that I was introduced to very early in my career uh, at my at my Rutgers Magic Club, actually. So this is probably more common among the younger crowds, but uh, it's an old an old practice. Uh, I think it's mostly died out. It's not fun to see. So basically what will happen, someone might take like a, a pack of cards that they won or bought or something. They will open the pack. They will not look at the rare slash mythic slot. Uh, and they will rip it in half and without looking at it. And then they will flip it over to see what the card was. And uh, sometimes it's chaff and it's useless and it's everyone gets a good laugh. Uh, sometimes it's a chase mythic and everyone gets a questionably bigger laugh. I don't know. This, this <laughs> not, is everybody. A, uh, not everybody. Not everybody. Uh, now, I remember thinking like when I was first starting out, just learning to like really draft and, and play the game and still building a collection. I remember seeing people ripping and flipping at the time it was a uh, Lily last hope, uh, I believe was the one that, that <laughs> it was like a big player in standard. Uh, that one, like I saw that it get ripped and flipped. Um, and I saw people rip and flip other like big things just from other packs. Uh, someone ripped and flipped the number cool. I've seen other, other ones on uh, Twitter and, and Reddit of rip and flip cards, like, taped back together. Um, I'm sure people could look this up if they wanted to find them. Uh, honestly, I, I get it. Like it's funny, but on the other hand, I don't know the, the older I've thought about it. Um, rather the older I've gotten, the more I've thought about it, the more I think like just destroying the game pieces that could go to other people. I don't know, especially having like hosted a, a club for, for students where um, they would get excited over like opening a cool rare. I had a student crack a gold span dragon when it was worth a bunch. It still is. Uh, 
and he thought it was awesome. It was the coolest thing in the world. And I don't know, it's hard to justify that kind of behavior when there's people out there that would honestly put those cards to good use. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, it's on the one hand, I'm like, you, you know, you got the thing, do what you want with your stuff. On the other hand, I'm like, that's just a waste. So I don't find rip and flick rip, rip and flip Rick to be the most, uh, offensive player on this list, but Mm -hmm. it's just kind of weird. And it always feels bad to see somebody rip something valuable especially when they, when we're doing this with older packs, because some people will do this with packs that aren't in circulation anymore yeah. and they'll, they'll flip like a Lily of the veil or something from an OG Innistrad pack. And it's just like, why there are only so many of those left, like stop. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's just disheartening, you know, it's like, well, this is a game we shouldn't, you know, enjoy playing with it. I don't know. It's funny, I guess. It, like, like you said, it's this funny to watch somebody do, thing. but it also kind of hurts. Yeah. Yeah, I'm curious to hear what the listener thinks of this one. Um, listener, go ahead, hop, hop in the Discord and like, comment, and subscribe if you would rip and flip it. <laughs> no, actually, just just tell us what you think of this practice or uh, if you've seen this, if you've participated in it, if you have justification. I don't know. Like, I could see how it'd be really fun. It's it's like a gamble, except it's a gamble where you can only lose. This is like the Russian roulette of, of magic, right? If cracking packs is normal gambling a rip and flip is Russian roulette. Yeah. I think actually to your point too. And I, I think this would be far more like interesting if you didn't just skip right to the rare and rip the rare, like it should be Russian roulette esque where you like shuffle the pack up and you don't know which slot is which, and you may oh, that's rip even the rare. Funnier. Yeah. Okay. So they're not even doing it right. It's still like a kind of like wasteful and maybe slightly tilted. You're just holding practice, a gun to your head and shoot and pulling the trigger, knowing that the, <laughs> the round is in the chamber. Like, well, I guess, I guess to, to really bridge the analogy, you don't know how, how good a person you are. <laughs> you don't know. if Yikes. I don't like this analogy at all. Uh, anywho, <laughs> let's move on to our next FNM archetype. And that is salty. Sam. Salty Sam is one that I struggle with the most. I don't know how to deal with Salty Sam in the middle of a game. And this is the person, the opponent who is just getting really upset during a match in the middle of the game, making kind of offhand comments about cards that you're playing, cards that they're not drawing. These are the like, they they make little kinds of um, just little like quips about the state mm. of the game and how it's unfair or whatever. I mean, I think this is one that we've all experienced at some point. If you've played any amount of magic in person, you've probably experienced a salty Sam and it's really uncomfortable. I personally don't have a great way to deal with them. I tend to just stay quiet <laughs> uh, yeah. and let them say what they're going to say or just be like, Oh yeah, it sucks. <laughs> you know, like, I don't know what, I don't know what to do. Yeah. It's like round five of a tournament. Everyone's getting tired. Like, making little mistakes and then that, that, that compounds it. And then the person gets even more upset with themselves. Um, I don't know. I recently had an experience where someone like, as I was playing cards was like asking like, Oh, like man, like who passed you all those cards? Like what, where'd you even get a deck like that? And was like clearly not having a good time. Uh, we, we'd play this game to have a good time. Right. And like <laughs> have fun hopefully with our friends and maybe sometimes win and have fun winning. Um, Salty Sam has passed the point of having fun and is, I don't know, get, getting, uh, maybe they're a masochist and maybe they, they, they enjoy the, the feeling of being annoyed and making other people upset and bringing the mood down. I don't know. I think it's tough because I, I think even the, the most 
positive of us can find ourselves being salty at sometimes just based on a string of bad losses. Like, Oh yeah, totally. Sometimes this kind of also goes back to a similar approach to the, um, to timeout Tina where they're, this might not be the first loss in a row that they've had to this particular, they, they might be drawing lands like crazy flooding out every game. It feels awful. Like we've all been there. And so there is some amount of this. That's like, it may not even have anything to do with the match that you're in currently. They're just expressing it during your match. And that kind of sucks for both players. Um, but you just never really know the whole picture of what they're going through. They also just might've had a bad day. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah. So I think, I think it's good to try to keep, keep your cool, try to just like typically let them let off the steam, I think is, is okay. As long as they're not being overtly rude to you, I tend to just let them say what they're going to say, continue playing the match and get up and leave as soon as the match is over. Um, and just kind of prep myself for the next round and, and move on with the event. Um, yeah, I, we've all been there. I, it's, it's a, it's a tough kind of situation to be in, in the middle of a match. Yeah. Honestly, I don't think it's absurd to just ask your opponent like, Hey, you good? <laughs> like you doing okay. Yeah. I think you gotta be careful with that though. Cause there are a lot of ways you could ask that question genuinely and sound like a real jerk doing it. So, Oh yeah. Like if you're winning and you're like, you good, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe they're, not, they're but, can, uh, there are a lot of ways that that could backfire. So I would just be careful with your language and the way that you're saying whatever it is you're going to say, if you want to address it. I mean, sometimes I just sympathize with them. Like, oh man, yeah, I hate, I hate drawing like three lands in a row that that really sucks mm-hmm. and just move on. Yeah. Now th- there is a, a subset of salty Sam and that would be handshake Hank. Um, if your opponent is like, uh, they, they they already did a bunch of deliberating about this on Twitter, like discourse wise a while back, but about like, when it's correct to extend the handshake, uh, when you should, uh, like, should you ever refuse the handshake? Uh, what about COVID policies? Like all, all that. Um, l- we'll leave that up to the listener to decide on their own. But uh, personally, I feel comfortable. Like if, if I'm very clearly losing, uh, I, I extend the handshake. Uh, I'll usually do some sort of like, I don't know, like funny a- ending thing. Like a- at the, uh, uh, at the RCQ over the weekend, I bolted myself for lethal and then extended the hand. <laughs> like there, there's ways you can play it off and have a good time with it still. And I think that's a good example of a mindset you can have to avoid being a salty Sam. If you're having fun, even while you're losing and going through that maybe rough string, uh, then then you're in a good spot. And at a certain point, you also should know like when it's time to pack it up and call it a day, right? Like people might also have this experience on Arena where they like are buying entries into an open. If you've bought a few entries in and you're like, oh man, this isn't going well, but the next one might be it. And you just keep firing bullet after bullet after bullet. You start to feel this like this dread and this weight on you that just sucks. Um, and it impacts your playing too. It's not like oh, it's just course, a, yeah. something that you're feeling agnostic of the game. It will, every additional bullet you're, you're firing in those situations is having a lower and lower chance of actually getting you to the end. So yeah. Uh, Anywho, it's it's good to know your limit, right? Um, it's good to know how to you know call it a night before you turn into that salty Sam. And those who don't call it a night, once they've become salty Sam, move into our next opponent. Mm-hmm. That's tilted Tiffany. So this is someone who is now outside the game. Clearly, has tilted off. You know, uh, maybe they're also uh, another subset here would be a bad beats Ben. Uh, couldn't be me, <laughs> but uh, I don't know. This could relate to someone who's just mad or upset outside the game, just at the store or at the tournament or whatever. 
Uh, maybe it's about like the, their win rate or maybe a, a, a bad loss or maybe they're overly pontificating about standings and breakers or things like that. I don't know. I think this one you kind of know when you see it, right? This is someone who's just kind of bringing the energy down by being rude to people or being curt or uh, just kind of having a negative approach to the game and, and to why they're there. Um, personally, I'd avoid just not really hanging out with them. <laughs> you know, you don't have to be friends with everyone at, at your FNM. All right. Moving on to MTGO, which is our last, basically our last way to play magic, right? So we've gone arena, we've gone in person and MTGO is different than arena in that you have a text box. So we'll get to that in a minute. You do have the ability to chat, but we also have, and, and this next archetype does kind of also apply to arena, but we see it a lot with MTGO and that's stream sniping Steve. Just don't be, just don't be stream sniping Steve. Like, <laughs> this come is on. an easy one. It's just, these are people who are watching streamers play games or are playing arena or MTGO see that they're paired up against somebody who they know streams the game, somebody like LSV or, you know, any of the big MTG personalities online and then immediately opens up Twitch and checks, Oh, are they streaming right now? And then, you know, you get perfect information because you can see their hand and, and everything. Just, just don't be this person. Like mm-hmm. don't try to eke out wins this way. You know how they say putting the shopping cart back at the grocery store is like a good, like ethical test. Because like no, no one will critique you if you don't do it. No one will praise you if you do do it. But you make someone else's day a little bit easier and, and functionally yeah. no cost to yourself. Um, I think stream sniping might actually be a similar magic equivalent, right? No one will know. If you're just sitting at home playing Arena and you see your cute against Deathsea, for example, who's functionally always streaming, uh, no one's going to know, right? I mean, probably 99% of the time. Yeah. There are times where like somebody makes a play that just doesn't make any sense unless they knew you had a given card in your hand. That's true. You didn't telegraph sometimes. And chats are really good at picking those people out. I've noticed a lot of times chat can pick up like that dude's sniping. Um, But 99% of the time I would say, yeah, it's, it's something that nobody's going to notice. And there's like just little marginal upside. Yeah, sure. If you, you can find out the contents of your opponent's hand. If you know the format well enough, you already know what's in their hand. <laughs> like if I'm playing Brothers War right now, I could I could fire up against and within like three turns, I could tell you a bunch of cards in my opponent's hand or at least like some ones that are mostly likely to be there. You're not gaining that much e- like win rate EV by seeing, I guess you playing on combat tricks or something like that. Who, who cares? Um, just don't be this person. Uh, pass the ethical test put the grocery cart back and don't snipe streams. Now our last opponent to mention here, chatty Maddie. Now some people have asked when arena will get a full chat function. Uh, it'll be never. And that's a good thing. (laughs) We, we do not want a full chat function in arena because if that ever happened, we would get some of the same things we get in MTGO. Uh, Give gamers a chat box and they will find a way to rage. Rage against the dying of their win rate or something like that. Uh, So Twitter will often pop off with funny screenshots of like MTGO chats where someone will just start raging, you know? And then they also kind of turn into a timeout Tina, don't they? Because at that point, they're spending more time typing and raging at their opponent uh, than they would anything else. Like they certainly stopped playing the game. Now, notably funny about um mtgo is that it has very sensitive uh chat swear detection so you'll often see these like star 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 messages and and a whole bunch of other funny comments like that which leaves you to fill in the blanks yourself um 
but it's very funny. So I actually, a while back, I, I sent a message to Zach, a screenshot of, um, I think it was, it might've been the deck that we drafted on, on here once. It was like a, a white red, uh, the white red aggro deck. Wasn't that the one that we drafted here on the, on the, uh, the vintage cube live draft? It was. So actually this was a, a comment that I received in, in MTGO text, uh, while playing that, um, 7.29 p.m. My opponent goes 14 bunch of stars. We'll, we'll, I'll, I'll use some uh, PG language. 14 freaking lands and I draw more than half so I can lose to a freaking white deck. Blank MTGO. And then I responded simply with skill issue. <laughs> Which yeah, maybe. what was that about bad beats, Ben? <laughs> Look, the, the game the game had literally ended. I had already won uh, with our very good deck that we drafted on stream. Okay, uh, maybe that was that was a little cheeky of me, but um, uh, perhaps I, I added a little bit more negativity to the world. In hindsight, maybe I should have just been like, "Have a good day, dude." <laughs> like, uh, yeah, hope just your, ignored hope your day gets better or ignored it. Yeah, I often do, but this was just too. This is like who's you can't insult the white decks. Don't insult my white decks, my white weenies. That's 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 my bread and butter, you know. Um, I would sooner have someone insult literal bread and butter <laughs> in my presence. Uh, anyway, um, should you encounter this, uh, the best bet is to not engage, uh, as I foolishly did. I only did so because the game was over. If you engage, the game will not end. MTGO timers are long. You can spend fifty minutes in that match and. Uh, Rest assured, someone that, that is a chatty Maddie will quickly turn into a timeout Tina if you're starting to to like aggravate them. Yeah, there's no rope there. They just have a 30-minute clock or 25-minute clock or whatever it is per player. So yeah. as long as they have priority, they can let that clock run down as long as they want to. Yeah, hopefully this doesn't happen to, to you, listener. But if it ever does, um, your best bet's to just ignore it. Honestly, you don't even have to have chat turned on. You can just turn it off. Well, that does it for us this week. Thank you so much for listening. We really hope that this has helped kind of open your eyes to different ways that players can kind of negatively impact other players as they play MTG. Hopefully this will help you avoid being these people, but also help you deal with them if you do come across them, whether in person or online. Definitely check out the Discord if you haven't already. We'd love to have you there. The link to that is in the episode description as well as on our Twitter page. And if you'd like to support the show directly, you can do so on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash draftchaffpod. And then you can also find us on Twitter at draftchaffpod. Thanks, folks, and we'll catch you next week. So here's here's a rare treat. What do we have here? So this week, I have come up with a sign-off, and Ben doesn't know what it is. So... Look, yeah, this is uh, this is uncommon. We're all fans of a solid tier list, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, it's come to my attention that it is Girl Scout cookie season. Oh, 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 okay, okay. So we are doing the official draft chaff Girl Scout cookie tier list. I've got the list of cookies up here, and so I don't know if we want to go one by one or if we just kind of want to give like go back and forth on S tier, A tier kind of stuff. And then the rest can kind of fill in where they fill in. I say we, we go cookie by cookie. Right. I think we'll have so, thoughts on each. Well, some of these I haven't had, so this will be interesting. Some of them I probably haven't either. First one on the list here is Raspberry Rally. I've never heard of this. This isn't real. Neither have I. This may be a new <laughs> one for this year. Also, I think some of them are regional, so we may just not have some in this area. But it seems to be essentially a Thin Mint, but raspberry flavored instead. Oh, that's pretty good. Um, which I, I think I'll, would go, be I'll good. go C until future notice. I'll, I'll try one. All right. I'm thinking B, B minus. Um, but yeah, kind of similar thoughts ready for that to move up or down. Yeah. Next up is adventure adventurefuls, which I also have never heard of. 
Uh, I'm one. actually, I just pulled up a quick graphic. It looks like those are new. It says they are uh, indulgent brownie inspired cookies with caramel flavored cream and a hint of sea salt. That sounds awesome. I, I would they totally get that. Baller. Yeah, yeah that sounds like uh, a, that sounds like a solid A tier to me. At least, yeah. That might creep into S tier, but I'd have to try some before I'm ready to commit that to S tier already. But that sounds like a winner right there. Yeah, if it's as good as it looks and like could be in theory, then I could see that creeping into S, yeah. All right, next up is a caramel chocolate chip. Also, I don't know if you guys say caramel that way, but my sister made fun of me for saying it recently, and now I feel self-conscious. But anyway, caramel <laughs> caramel chocolate chip. Yeah, caramel, right? I know some That's, say caramel or cara. No, I say caramel. All right. But we're also from the same place, so... I think we, we don't have a lot of regional <laughs> knowledge on this. Well, apparently it's not common to say that down there. Most people down there say caramel, How did we just wind means up they're weird. ignoring a letter, but I don't know because we moved yeah. up north. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Um, these are stock, you know, right? Like these yeah, are just B, yeah. C. I don't yeah, know that I've ever actually C had these, but they are also gluten free. So if you have a gluten allergy, I guess these Ooh. would creep up in the tier list. Hold up. I might bump those. Uh, I don't have celiacs or anything, but I, I, could, I, could, I could go for that, you know? Uh, my body's been known to be intolerant of certain things like dairy and, <laughs> and gluten in the past. I, I might put this in like the low C tier, like a C minus. Yeah, I was just thinking straight C. I mean, they're a chocolate chip cookie. They can't be terrible. Yeah. Um, next up is Samoas or Caramel Delights, depending on when you last looked at Girl Scout cookies. They changed the name on these. Oh, but I think most people know them as Samoas. These are the the caramel ones with coconut and the chocolate stripes. Uh, top of S. These are my absolute go-to. Top of S. These are my that is 100% favorite. Intriguing. The okay, so I coconut, the fudge. It, it's the complete package, and it's so unique. Well, it's missing peanut butter, so not the complete package, but it is unique. It is delicious, and I put it on the verge of A to S tier. I'm I'm not quite sure whether I want to commit oh, it to S. Okay, just okay. yet, but it's it's up there. Next up, we have Dosi Dose. And these are the peanut butter sandwich ones. They're they're basically nutter butters, but Girl Scout cookie version. That, that's a solid B, I think. Right. Okay, I'm a peanut butter fanatic, so I have these in the A tier, but probably like an A minus. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Uh, I would definitely take the Samoas over these. Mm-hmm. Next up is Girl Scout s'mores. I didn't know these were a thing, but they kind of remind me, me of either. like the uh, Toll House cookies or the no, what are the ones with the elves? Oh, the Keeblers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They kind of remind me of those, at least the way they look. But they're they're like graham cr- graham cracker cookie with like chocolate and marshmallow filling. Huh. I don't think I've had. I've never that. had these. I think I'm S- gonna put them in D. Yeah, sounds like a C to D. I'm not big on marshmallow, especially not a marshmallow that hasn't been literally set on fire above a camp, like campfires. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I'll start them in D, and I can see them rising to like maybe a C. But this is like a low ceiling, low floor type thing. Yep. Next up are lemonades, which are different than the next ones we have, which are also lemony. But lemonades are a shortbread cookie with lemon flavored icing. So these, I guess, are are kind of like an Oreo in terms of construction. Hmm. I'll be honest. When I'm eating sweets, it usually is going to be chocolate. I very rarely have some sort of dessert that isn't tangentially chocolate related. A good fruit dessert can bump itself up there, like a good cookie that has some kind of fruit dessert aspect to it. But I don't know. This is still looking like a C to me. Yeah, I put lemonades in the C tier. I sometimes like a refreshing sort of citrusy cookie, and I do really like shortbread, but mm-hmm. they're just not exciting enough to bump any any higher. Maybe this is verging into like C plus B minus for me, but mm-hmm. it I'm gonna I'm gonna keep it somewhere in the C tier. 
<laughs> Next up are lemon ups and these are lemon cookies. So not a sandwich, but like lemon cookies with baked with inspiring messages. So every one of them has an inspiring message printed into it. Huh? Uh, without the messages, this would be another C, but with the messages, I'll bump it to a C plus. <laughs> Depends how right. inspiring it gets. I could see it rising up with, with a, a particularly inspiring <laughs> message. Well, the, the one on girl scouts, dot org the website where i'm looking at this list is uh it just says i am a leader with like a sunshine looking <laughs> pattern <laughs> all right it's gonna stay in c i'm not feeling super <laughs> super roused by that all right next up we have tagalongs who some of which uh some of the listeners may know this is peanut butter patties this is another one that had a name change mm. they're the crispy cookies with peanut butter kind of layered in between and then covered in chocolate yeah th- these are are up there i like these a good amount i put these in a Maybe like low A. Top of S tier. Come okay. on. Top of S tier. <laughs> These are the best, especially if you've put them in the freezer or the fridge for any amount of time. Oh, they're okay. so good. And once you take them out of the fridge or the freezer, you dip them in more peanut butter and they're just like, oh, so good. <laughs> just All right. That's ridiculous. <laughs> that's how but I eat them. I, but I will try that. I would actually try that. That does sound pretty good. Next up, we've got Thin Mints. I don't think I need to give these a description. They are just phenomenal. These have to be yeah. S tier as well. These are, these are, I think we could agree pretty clearly on these are S tier, like possibly yeah. one of the best mint cookies ever. Ever made. Yeah. Also great to put in the fridge or freezer. They're really good chilled. Hmm. Yeah. I could, eat, I could eat a whole sleeve of these just in one sitting. Like these no things problem. Are, are addicting. Yeah. The thing the Thin Mints have, so I, I say the same thing for Tagalongs, but after I eat a whole sleeve of Tagalongs, I will feel sick. <laughs> I don't feel that way with thin mints. They are there no, because of the mint. Light. They are also refreshing and yeah, and they are pretty light. So mm-hmm. next up we have toastiers. They're toast shaped cookies full of French toast flavor and dipped in icing. Ooh, they I kind I of sound like Dunkaroos. That. Yeah, they kind of do. I would try that. I would want to start that at like maybe low B and hope that it creeps up to high B. That's what I'm feeling as well. B minus probably ends at a B plus because French toast is delicious. Yeah, I, I mean, it doesn't necessarily read like a dessert, but if it's got like the spiced cinnamon aspects to it right. that I might hope for, then I, I could maybe even see that going into A tier. Interesting. All right. It says it's dipped in icing. The image I'm seeing doesn't show. It looks like almost there's like an edge of icing hmm. rather than like the whole thing is dipped in icing. So I'm, I'm not really sure where the icing plays into this, but our next one here is Toffee-tastic. These are another gluten-free option and they are described as rich buttery cookies with sweet crunchy toffee bits so think chocolate mm. chip cookie but instead of chocolate chips they're toffee bits basically not big on toffee mm. i'll probably stick this in the d tier nice that it's gluten-free you know but uh i love toffee so i would put this probably at b plus a minus tier i haven't had these so I'm, I'm not ready to commit them to a tier yeah what i'm really learning today is that there's tons of different types of Girl Scout cookies that I've never tried before <laughs> because I just I just always get the, I guess, Caramel Delights, Thin Mints, and that's it. Yeah. And our last one here are trefoils. These are the shortbread, pretty iconic shortbread ones. I think these were the first, yeah, the original Girl Scout cookie recipe. Hmm. Yeah. inspired by. I mean, what we've improved on this a lot, right? Like good shortbread cookies are good, but compared to something like a Thin Mint, this just can't really... I don't know. This one's gotten power crept out of the format, I think we'll say. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. This is uh, definitely not a first pick. Um, I will say, though, if this is in the pack, I'm not disappointed to last pick it. (laughs) (laughs) 